remain standing and let's go to the book of Hebrews chapter 11 today. Hebrews chapter 11. Today we will uh, begin a, a new series for the new year and the series is called Foundation of Faith. Foundation of Faith. Today the message is going to focus on this question, what is faith? What is faith? There in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, let's begin in verse number 1, and I'll read down to verse number 6 today as we seek the answer to this uh, very, very important question. What is faith? There in verse number 1, Hebrews 11 tells us, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, that's faith, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Verse 4 says, By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. Verse 5, By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found, because God had translated him, for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And then verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Brother Michael Linton, would you pray for us? Amen. You may be seated today. Uh, as you're getting settled in, before I get into the message, uh, I, I heard in a podcast I listened to an interesting statistic this past week about New Year's resolutions. Um, it's it's uh, found that 37% of Americans make New Year's resolutions. 37%. Of those 37%, 59% make some sort of resolution about spiritual things. Going to church, attending religious services, getting closer to God. So let this just be a reminder to us as the new year begins. If you know someone who has made New Year's resolutions, you have a greater than 50% chance that one of those is about spiritual things. Unbeknownst to you, the person that you go to work with or maybe go to school with or, or even someone that you're related to could have made a resolution to find a church and to start attending somewhere. So let's be faithful to invite because people are prime and ready. This is a wonderful time of year to get somebody to come to church with you, all right? And I trust that as they come and as we begin this new series that uh, they will be uplifted and encouraged through it. This year will be a year of faith building for our church. Uh, we have walked by faith until this point, and 2024 will be no different. 
I believe that the greatest steps of faith for our church are yet to come, and some of those steps will come this year. So to begin the new year, I'd like to begin a, a new series called Foundation of Faith. We are seeking to build a foundation of faith in our hearts to prepare us spiritually for when the Lord does call us to trust him in a greater way and to step out in faith. These next few weeks, we'll be laying the foundation of the importance of faith in the believer's life, what faith is, what it's not, and then we're going to highlight some of these incredible examples from Hebrews chapter 11 as we seek to walk by faith and not by sight. That word faith is, uh, is a word used a lot in any religion. Um, but in Scripture, it's used about 244 times in the New Testament. 244 times. 24 of those times are found here in Hebrews 11. 10% of the word faith in Scripture is found in one chapter of the Bible. It's one of the most remarkable in all of God's Word. It's been called God's Hall of Fame. We call it the Hall of Faith. It's known as the Honor Roll of Old Testament Saints or the Heroes of the Faith. Here in this chapter, we find a sealed record of men and women of God who lived by faith, and because of their faith, they are recorded for all eternity. They are shining examples of those who made eternal impact on the kingdom of God. The one common denominator that is present in each and every one of their lives is faith. And as you and I run the race with patience that is set before us today, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It's as if these faithful saints are lining the track, cheering us on and admonishing us to fight the good fight. And with one voice, they call out to us today, have faith in your God. Before we get too deep into this chapter, I want to caution you from making a, a mistake that many people do as they read through these stories. There is a certain temptation for us to think that the men and women listed here achieved a level of faith that is unattainable for us today, us normal believers. I mean, it's not possible that we could have the same faith as Abraham and Noah and these listed. Let me remind you, um, that this list is filled with normal people. Uh, not to mention Noah got drunk, didn't he? Abraham lied. Sarah laughed at God. Jacob was a deceiver. Moses was a murderer. David was an adulterer. Rahab was a harlot. None of them, not one listed in this chapter, were perfect saints and we have to give honor where honor is due but at the same time we cannot forget everybody in hebrews 11 was a sinner saved by grace through faith and although their circumstances and the times in which they live may have been drastically different than you and i today the object of their faith who they put their faith in is the same god we put our faith in today amen so today 
Let's look first at the centrality of faith or the importance of faith. How important is faith? Well, to put it this way, faith to the Christian is what a foundation is to a house. It's sort of like the bedrock of the Christian life. It's the groundwork. Faith is the underlying basis for all that we do. It, It is the starting point because without it, we can't even please God. How important is faith? Look back to verse number 6 of Hebrews 11 with me just quickly. It says, but without faith, without it, it is impossible to please him. Without that foundation of faith, there is not a single thing you can do in your life that is even remotely pleasing to the Lord. Because faith is not one of the many Christian virtues, it is the Christian virtue. As a matter of fact, in the book of Jude, it actually summarizes all of Christianity by calling it the faith. The faith. Faith is the starting point for our walk with Christ. You know these verses, Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through what? Faith. We can do better than that. It's the beginning of the year, all right? I'm going to rewind that and give you another chance, okay? This is a softball uh, in in the message today. There will be harder ones to come, but not this one. For by grace are ye saved through what? Faith, that's right. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Verse 9 says, not of works, lest any man should boast. Faith is absolutely necessary because without it, we can't even be saved. Faith is like the doorway that we must enter through in order to be made righteous by Jesus Christ. Salvation comes by repentance and faith. One coin, two different sides. As I turn from my sin, I am turning in faith toward Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 7, verse number 47, it records a story for us where Jesus is in the house of a Pharisee. Remember this story? There's a woman who is known as a sinful woman who comes into, she kind of, she probably kind of snuck into this house, this meal. And there she takes an alabaster jar and she breaks it open and begins to anoint the feet of Jesus. Jesus says in verse number 47, Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And then he turns to the woman, verse 48, and he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? Verse 50, and he said to the woman, notice what he says, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Faith is the gateway by which we enter the Christian race. And might I add, not only are we saved by faith today, but faith has always been the means through which people were saved. Even back in the Old Testament, please don't think that, well, today we do it one way. In the Old Testament, they had these rules they had to follow. No, friend. They were saved by faith in the Old Testament, just like we are saved by faith today. 
In Genesis 15, verse number 6, this is talking about Abraham, it says, and he believed in the Lord. It's interesting, the word faith is hardly used at all in the Old Testament. Instead, there are synonymous words like they believed or they trusted. And here it says, Abraham believed in the Lord, and as a result of his belief, as a result of his faith, not his works, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Abraham was made righteous, not by his good deeds, but by belief, by faith. However, faith is not simply the beginning of our Christian life. How important is this? Faith is how we run the race. It's how we continue the race. When the gun goes off, faith is what carries us to the finish line. It's said that faith is, is the engine under the hood which drives our Christian lives. In Romans 1 verse 17, the Apostle Paul puts it this way, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. You're not just born into the kingdom of God by faith, but after you are born again, then you live by faith as well. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatians in Galatians 2 verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know what that teaches us? Our faith or relationship with Jesus began by faith, it continues by faith, and it will culminate when our faith is made sight. Faith is absolutely central to the Christian life. So what is it? Because there are some uh, wrong views on what faith actually is. Next, number two, let's look at the definition of faith. I told the early crowd, I only have two points today. That's it. We're done with the first one already. First one's a lot shorter than the second one. Don't get your hopes up, though, okay? What is faith? What is the definition? The most basic definition that I found from Oxford Languages is faith is a complete trust or confidence in someone or something. I like that definition. I feel as if that definition is headed in the right direction. But then they provided a secondary definition. The secondary definition said, faith is strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. Let me say that last part again. Based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. That definition I don't like, and that one is headed in the wrong direction. Now, this chapter, Hebrews 11, is more a description of faith than it is a definition. But if we're going to focus on faith over the next several weeks, we need to understand what it is and what it isn't. So let's start with what it's not. Let me begin by saying faith is not a blind leap. You hear that phrase? It's just a leap of faith. It's not wishful thinking. It's not some sort of magical feeling like that of a, a Disney princess, all right? Just have faith. Just believe. Wish upon the star and do all these things. Just have faith. 
No, faith does not ignore reason. And, and faith is not just a, a feeling. Sometimes we're like, well, faith is this feeling that you have. No, it's not just a feeling. Uh, Elizabeth Elliot, who uh, maybe if you had a modern-day hall of faith, she would be in it. But Elizabeth Elliot said, faith is certainly not a feeling. Feelings don't help much when you're in the lion's den or hanging on a wooden cross. Faith is not inferred from the happy way things work. It is an act of will, a choice based on the unbreakable word of a God who cannot lie. Faith is not merely a feeling or a hope-so, wishful thinking. Faith is also not uh, an intellectual acknowledgement. In, in other words, uh, it's not head knowledge. Oh, okay, I, yeah, I understand what it says. That's... That's not faith. Jesus began to do miracles in the Gospel of John, and there were many people who, the Bible says, believed on him. They believed. But we have to be very careful not just to assume when it says someone believed on them that that means they were a Christian. Because it said for many of them, they walked away and followed him no more. In John chapter 2, verse number 23, it, it says this. Now, when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name. Oh, so wait a second. They believed in his name. They came to saving faith. Is that what it means? I don't think so. Notice, why did they believe in his name? When they saw the miracles which he did. Verse 24 makes it very clear. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them. Why? Because he knew all men. He knew what was really going on. Verse 25 it says, And needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. You see, what happened was these men believed in Jesus to do miracles because they saw him do miracles. They did not believe that he was Jesus, the Savior of the world. So it's not just a head knowledge, because the Bible says even the demons, what? Believe. And then they take it a step further, they tremble. Even the demons believe. So does that mean that demons have a saving faith? And we would say absolutely not. No, what they have is an intellectual understanding of the reality of God. They believe and tremble. At one point, Jesus was in a synagogue and he was teaching, and it's as if Jesus is so righteous that a man is possessed in the synagogue, Jesus doesn't say anything to him, and the demon just can't help but say something. What have we to do with thee? I know that thou art the Holy One come from God. That was out of a demon's mouth. They believe. They fully understand and know who God is. They know who Jesus is. That's not faith. It's a head knowledge. True Bible faith is not blind optimism. It's not I hope so. It's not blind trust contrary to evidence. That's how, by the way, it's usually painted. On this side, we have evidence, and on this side, we have faith. On this side, facts, and on this side, religion. On this side, faith, and then proof. 
Isn't that what the definition said? Just religious superstition instead of proof. <laughs> is that what it is? Uh, there's a, a man by the name of Frank Turek, Dr. Frank Turek, author, apologist, who wrote a book called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Friend, they both take faith. Um, to me, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Um, to me, it's easier to believe in the beginning an all-powerful God created everything. Or, in the beginning, nothing made everything. I don't have that much faith, folks. Dr. Frank Turek, in his book, speaks about that hypocrisy. Well, it's, it's either faith or it's reason. No, no, no. They both take faith. And by the way, there's plenty of proof for Christianity. Somebody, I, again, I mentioned the early crowd, sometimes when uh, folks share things on Facebook, I'm like, that's good sermon material right there. Sometimes you guys share different quotes and stuff. I'm like, thank you. All right, I'm going to use that. Somebody shared sort of a funny comment, and they were talking about the new year, and the idea was, uh, next time you talk to an atheist, if you ever hear an atheist say, Happy New Year, say, uh, yeah, Happy New Year. It's been 2,024 years since what? <laughs> since Jesus was here, man. There's plenty of proof that Christ is here. It's not faith versus science. It's not hope and, and religion versus facts. They both take faith, all right? Faith is not blind optimism. It's not to have faith in the church or in yourself or in your experiences or in your feelings. Faith isn't any of those things. So what is faith? What is a biblical definition of faith? And in that slide, I, I should have put definitions, plural, because I'm going to give you three. And I hope that between these Three, because it's really hard to just put it in one sentence. So I'm hoping that between these three, the Lord will kind of bring the meaning of faith together in your heart today. Faith, number one, is an inner attitude of dependence and trust in God. Simple as that. Faith is an inner attitude of dependence and trust in God. 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are always either walking by faith or walking by sight. And God calls us to walk by faith, and we walk by faith as we depend on Him and not ourselves. That's what faith is a dependence and trust in God. And this is a daily dependence. Christian, would you honestly say that your life is characterized by daily depending on the Lord? Or do you primarily rely on yourself? You know what I think the greatest test is of this question? Are we walking by faith? The greatest test, in my opinion, is this question. How much do you pray you know what prayer is? <laughs> Acknowledging, Lord, I need you. I'm depending in, 
I am trusting on you. So this morning, when you woke up, did you just roll out of bed? and get? Did you just hit your snooze on the alarm clock and then eventually roll out of bed? And just go on with the day in your own strength and in your own power? I'm not asking if you, you blessed your Pop-Tart this morning. I'm asking, did you pray? Or did you just try and figure things out yourself? When something goes wrong, do you try to fix it first? And then when you can't, all we can do is pray. Or do you go to him first? Faith is an inner attitude of dependence and trust in God. When we lean on him and not ourselves. A missionary by the name of John Payton was translating scriptures for South Sea Islanders. He was unable to find a word for faith. There was really nothing in their vocabulary to describe the concept of believing or trusting or having faith, and he had no idea, how am I going to convey that to them? I mean, it's pretty important, right? One day, while he was in his hut translating, a native came running up the stairs into his study and flopped in a chair, exhausted. Uh, this man had been out all day in the jungle hunting. And the missionary said, he said something like this. It's so good to stretch myself out and rest my whole weight on this chair. Peyton knew. That's it. Faith is resting your whole weight on God. Stretching yourself out on the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith is an inner attitude of dependence and trust in God. Secondly, what is faith? Look to verse number 1 of our opening passage, Hebrews 11, just quickly. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What is faith? Faith is a future hope that becomes a present reality. We have a future hope. And because of that future promise, that future hope, it will affect our present reality. In other words, because of eternity to come, because of the promise of heaven, because of the future kingdom, because we will receive glorified bodies, because of all the promises to come, faith looks to the future, and because of that future hope, our present reality is changed. In other words, if you truly believe in what is to come, your life will be different right now. You will presently live as if that future hope is as real as you say it is. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. It is a present confidence in a future hope. Faith is not passive in our lives. It is very active. Uh, 
Faith is not trust in the unknown. It's trust in the unseen. Those two words, there's a big difference between the two. Our future is known. We can read it. We know what the future promise is. We just can't see it right now. We know that Jesus is the Savior of the world. We know that God is the creator and and sustainer of the universe. We know there is an eternal reward waiting on us in heaven. We know all of that. We just don't see it right now. But we live right now as if it's coming. That's what faith is. After Jesus had resurrected, you remember he appeared to the disciples? They were all in a room. And which disciple wasn't with them? Do you remember who? Thomas. That's right. And we call him what? Doubting Thomas. To his defense, all the disciples doubted, every single one of them. When the ladies came back from the tomb, they were, and, hey, he's risen. They were like, eh, we don't think so. <laughs> they all doubted. Thomas was probably, he, he probably volunteered, like, I'll go get the groceries today, you know, and he left, and Jesus appears, and they're like, we can't believe you don't believe. Like, you suckers didn't believe one day ago, right? He didn't call them suckers, all right? That's not, there's no verse for that. A week later, he appears to him again, and Thomas is there. John chapter 20, verse 27, I'll just, let me just kind of read this here. Then saith he, that's Jesus, to Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless, but believing. Verse 28, and Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. Verse 29, Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou believest. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Do you realize Jesus is talking about you? That's you and that's me. We have not seen, yet we believe. It is a future promise that becomes a present reality. So do you live by faith? If you say yes, then I would ask, is that a reality in your life? The evidence of your faith ought to be seen in your life. You can't tell me you have a future hope and it not affect your present reality. Let me give you a quick example of that, and we'll probably get into him a little bit more in weeks to come. But in verse 7 of Hebrews 11, it tells us about Noah. Hebrews 11, verse 7, he is a great example of this. By faith, it says, being warned of God of things not seen as yet moved with fear prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith that's what it says about noah did noah have faith absolutely faith is a future promise that becomes present reality noah had a future promise a flood 
is coming. No. Many commentators and most theologians believe at that point in time it hadn't even rained on the earth. And so God tells Noah, there's a flood coming. Build an ark. Noah believed. How do we know he believed? Because he told everybody around him that he had faith that a flood was coming? No. Because he built an ark. (laughs) For 120 years, he built an ark. He didn't wait for the rain to start falling and saying, yeah, I I believe I'll get started on that now. But for 100 plus years, he is ridiculed and mocked and scorned by all those around him. Yet he built the ark and we know that he had faith because there was a future promise, but it was a present reality. He lived like the flood was coming tomorrow. Do you have a future hope? Are you living today as if that future hope will be real tomorrow? That's what faith is. If I say, uh, I believe that there is a heaven and that there is a hell, and I say, I really believe those two places and eternities exist, and I never tell a single person about it. My life betrays my belief. If I really believe it's there and it's waiting, then I'm going to tell somebody about that. It will affect my present reality. Isn't that what James told us? In James chapter 2, verse number 17 it says even so if faith hath not works is dead being alone james says okay uh, uh show me your faith without your works and i will show you my faith by my works was he teaching that you have to have faith and do works to be saved absolutely not he was simply teaching faith alone saves but faith that saves is never alone Believing and obeying run hand in hand. Obedience is the hallmark of faith. And you can't tell me you believe all the things in this wonderful book and it not affect your life. It will change you. You will be different. That's what faith is and that's what it does in our lives. You've probably heard the story uh, about the the old tightrope walker who was going across Niagara Falls, and this guy was tremendous, and he would go across once, and then his act would continue. He would go across blindfolded next. He would take a wheelbarrow, and he would push it across. People would cheer. One day, he went to Niagara Falls, and it was this big to-do. There were people on both sides cheering and chanting and encouraging him as he walked across. Then he did it again. Then he did it with this wheelbarrow. As he's crossing, they're chanting and cheering. You got it. Yes, they're applauding. He got to the other side. He said, do you think I can do it again? Do you believe I can make it across? They said, yes, we believe. He says, do you really believe? They said, yes. He said, do you believe I could put a person in here and walk across? They said, yes, we believe. He said, who wants to get in? (laughs) Nobody. (laughs) Nobody got in. We say we believe. Will we get in the wheelbarrow? 
Hebrews 11, now verse 11. This is speaking about Sarah. There's a tremendous verses here. Through faith. Also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. I love this last part of the verse. Because she judged him faithful who had promised. Verse number 12. Therefore sprang there even of one. And, and this is hilarious. And him as good as dead. That's Abraham. All right, He's like, come on, man. I got some life left in me here. You're as good as dead, Abraham. So many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Verse 13. These all died in faith. Let me pause there for a second. What does that mean? They died in faith. When Abraham and Sarah died, they did not see the promise come true. What was the promise? Your children will be as the stars in heaven and as the sea on the, uh, the sand on the seashore for a multitude. Did they see that before they died? No. They died in faith. Not having, notice this, received the promises. In other words, they continued to believe God even though they didn't see it all. They may have saw one grain of sand, Isaac. But notice it says, But having seen them afar off, were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They looked forward to a future hope and it became a present reality. True faith is always seen by active obedience to the word of God. Third, the last definition. Faith is an unshakable conviction that God will always keep his word. Faith is an unshakable conviction that God will always keep his word. By the way, that's why it's so important that you are daily reading and studying and memorizing and meditating and discussing and hearing God's word preached and taught because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the what? Word of God. Our faith is strengthened by his word. And as we know his word, we gain an unshakable conviction that God will keep his word. My favorite definition of faith isn't even in Hebrews 11. My favorite definition is from Romans. Romans chapter 4, verse 19. I'll read this last passage and I'm almost finished. This is talking about Abraham. It says, and being not weak in faith. Now here's Abraham's perspective. He considered not his own body now dead. He's like, I ain't dead, all right? I'm still hanging in there. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse number 20. 
Notice what it says. He staggered not at the promise. Unshakable. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong. Notice this, giving glory to God. He hasn't received the promise yet, and he's already giving glory to God that it will come true. You say, what's that? That's faith. It is an unshakable conviction that God will keep his word. And then verse number 21, it says this. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. That is a beautiful definition of faith. Do you truly believe that what God has said, he will do? Despite the circumstances or the situation, are we fully persuaded? That he will keep, he will perform that which he has promised. I read a story about a, a family whose home caught fire. It was in the middle of the night. A young boy whose room was on the second floor was forced to flee to the roof. He couldn't make it out of his door. The rest of the family were outside. The father stood on the ground below with outstretched arms, calling out to his son, jump and I'll catch you. Jump and I'll catch you. The father knew the boy had to jump to save his life. However, all the boy could see was the flame and the smoke and the blackness. And as we can imagine, this little boy was afraid to leave the roof. His father kept yelling, jump. I'll catch you. Jump, I'll catch you. But the boy protested, Daddy, I can't see you. I can't see you. The father replied, but I can see you. And that's all that matters. You say, Pastor, I thought faith wasn't just a blind leap. Isn't that a blind leap? No. That is a confidence in the Father who is on the ground promising, I will catch you. That's what faith is. Is that what our faith looks like? Do we have an unshakable conviction that God will always keep his word? Would you stand with me this morning? As you stand, if you would bow for just a moment. If you're preparing to get baptized, you can come at this time. Heads bowed, eyes closed today. With no one looking around. First, let me ask a really important question. Uh, to the one today who does not have saving faith. Do you know for sure if you died today that you would go to heaven? Do you know heaven would be your home? Have you repented of your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ? If not, friend, you can take that first step of faith today. 
It's not a blind leap. It doesn't go against reason or logic. There is a real man, history shows, named Jesus Christ, who really lived and really died. And historians say that from the very beginning, his followers maintained he rose from the grave. Today we base our time off of that man. But it does take faith. I believe God gives us plenty of evidence. But it's not faith in the unknown, it's the unseen. You have to believe in something you cannot see. If you've never been saved, I invite you to come this morning to put your faith in Jesus. Christian, is this what your faith looks like? When I went through that definition, was I describing your faith? Faith that displays an inner attitude of trust and dependence on the Lord, or have you been trusting in yourself? Have you been depending on yourself? Faith that is a future hope, does it prove itself by your present reality? Meaning, is your faith real in your life? Or do you just say you believe? And do you live with that conviction that God will always keep his promises? Maybe there's something in your life right now that you're going through, and if you were honest this morning, you'd say, Pastor Nathan, I've been depending on myself. I've been trusting in myself and my own strength. I encourage you this morning, would you come? Put your faith in the Lord. Stop putting it in yourself. Trust, depend, lean, cast yourself on Him. He will keep His word. And even if He doesn't do what we ask, we can still have faith that He is good and that He is loving. Maybe this morning, Christian, you just want to come and pray and ask as the disciples did, Lord, increase our faith. Father, we love you and we praise you for your goodness to us. Even when we don't see it, Lord, we are trusting in what you say and what you promise. Lord, we give our lives as a sacrifice to you, knowing that your ways are higher than our ways and your thoughts are greater than our thoughts. We trust you, Lord. Help us to lean not on our own understanding, but on you. Increase our faith. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.